Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you wanna learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Kuhn. I'm on the journey to go from hip hop dance engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. And this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you already have a platform, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and you're ready to create more content that breaks through the noise, be sure to check out Nightly Productions, find out how they can help you stop wasting time and money on content that does not deliver. Now for today's guest, it's actually been a, a little bit of a different guest because he's not primarily in the multifamily real estate realm, although a lot of his clients are. And what he is really focused on is being a leader and servicing others. And for me on my journey right now, trying to establish myself as a leader in the real estate realm, and then also as a leader within my personal network, trying to figure out how I can do that at a young age, even with the amount of experience that I have is, you know, it's, it, it can be a little bit difficult. And so I'm super excited for today's guest. He started his leadership journey working in the Metro Atlanta area as a police officer and SWAT operator. After seven years serving his local community, transitioned to the role of an infantry leader in the U.S. Army and continued to serve during a combat deployment to Afghanistan and locally with the Georgia National Guard. In between time away with the military, he has been able to build six businesses ranging from a security consulting firm, a domestic violence awareness nonprofit, to an international dance competition he and his business partner grew to 140 countries in the first seven months of operation. At the center of his journey, he is focused on two things, service and leadership. His podcast, Tactical Leadership, furthers this journey and his service, helping him and his audience learn and grow from leaders across the world. Please give a warm welcome to Zach, the Tactical Leader Knight. What's up, Taylor? I appreciate you having me, brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's it's been a, a long time coming. <laughs> I know we've been we've been a, a little bit busy on our on our journeys here, but I, I'm just super stoked stoked to have you on. But aside from the int- a little bit of the intro that I gave, uh, I'd love to hear from you and have the audience hear from you just a little bit more about yourself and anything that I missed so far. I mean, it was a great intro, definitely hits the background, man. It's been an interesting journey, uh, especially post-deployment. Definitely a lot of stuff going and just rebranding the the show to the Tactical Leader. You know, we were the Tactical Leadership Podcast for a while, and now we're moving to the Tactical Leader to kind of break it into more of highlighting what the Tactical Leader looks like. And I think that's a lot of what my journey is focused on here lately is that piece of self-mastery and trying to figure out what the tactical leader looks like in an, in a way that looks inside instead of just outside. I originally, I focused on the corporate leader. Now it's, you know, how do you maintain and grow yourself 
especially with our busy schedules, as you mentioned, our journeys are crazy. And I know in the multifamily world, it takes a lot and it takes a lot of leadership because you have to have a team that is firing all cylinders. But I think a lot of that starts with yourself. And that's really been the journey I've been on here the last year or so. You know, uh, I'm curious now because you said you originally focused on the corporate leader and then towards the self uh, development and looking more internal. I was wondering if you can dive into that just like a little bit more and what really caused that shift. You know, I think a lot of it was just my own journey. I started the podcast, not only for like the marketing capabilities, but also for just to learn. It was just like a journey on leadership, trying to figure out more about what leadership looked like on different levels. So I spoke to, originally I spoke to a lot of C-level executives, a lot of high ranking military officials, and you just kind of flexed my network enough to get some pretty interesting guests on. And then as I think as my own personal journey kind of went the direction of something still not clicking, you know, something still not firing on all cylinders with myself, it really turned into why is that, you know, a lot of it turned into vulnerability, you know, that I feel like that's a leading characteristic attached to a great leader, but it's not just like vulnerability, right? People can be vulnerable on a very surface level, you know, tip the iceberg type thing. But I, I found a lot of people and, and true vulnerability kind of breaks through the ice of, different things, whether it's your own limiting beliefs or your own limitations. And then at the end of the day, you're the only one limiting your team. So if you have people assigned to you and you can't master yourself, your team's never going to perform at its optimum. And I think that's a lot of where that, that kind of geared toward is like, how do we optimize the team by optimizing ourselves? You know, something that stuck out to me that was like pretty interesting is just the, the word vulnerability. And, and being more transparent just because like originally like with with my thought as a leader I would think that you know they're the ones that don't they, they you know they stay calm during a storm don't necessarily show any weakness and if you show weakness then maybe you're not even a good leader and people don't necessarily want to see that but in your perspective I mean it seems like there's sort of like this embracing moments and feeling with sharing that vulnerability and transparency which is from my perspective, it seems super different than the normal common stereotype of a leader. And definitely, especially in the in the military world and the law enforcement world, it is very different. I think there's a a time and a place at the end of the day. You know, in my background in combat, you know, could I be a vulnerable leader when bullets are flying? No, of course not. That that required a different type of leadership, right? But having the the fluidity within myself to be able to then on the back end, you know, show, Hey, this is the vulnerability of what I felt. This is what I was going through. This is the struggle I'm having. I think a lot of that, and you, you turn it to the corporate environment where you don't have the high stress, you don't have the bullets literally flying around <laughs> you. I think that vulnerability allows you to be more relatable. You know, if you can show, Hey, I've struggled with this in my past and I see you're struggling with this now, that makes it a lot more relatable for your team member to come back and, and not just feel like they're unsuccessful or not shut themselves down. Now they're like, oh, wow, my boss used to have this same issue, but obviously figured it out. So let me follow that leader more down that journey that they've already gone down. And, you know, I have a, I have a follow-up question to that. But before that, I'd love to just like know the uh, how you would define the term leader. And, and because like you've been in, in a pretty interesting industries, like from being in the military to the security consulting firm to dance, shout out to dance. And so just like thinking about the, 
the the definition of a leader and how they all can connect I'd, I'd love to know your definition of a leader and then how that translates across different industries influence nothing more nothing less that's all a leader is a leader is somebody that can influence the masses you have good leaders you have bad leaders hitler one of the greatest leaders of all time controversial <laughs> statement but realistically you look at it did hitler have influence attached to things that were horrendous absolutely terrible leader but a great leader at the same time, if that makes sense. Like his intent was awful. But you look at what influence and leadership actually is, he was a prolific leader. So when it comes to different industries, what it really focuses on, if you're in a position and, and you don't have to be the CEO, you could be the janitor. But if you have a position of influence or you can use your position as influential to better whatever's around you, then you're a leader. You know, you don't have to be the, the forefront. You don't have to be the quote unquote in position team leader, but you can be a leader among the followers and still have that level of influence. And to me, that's, that's really all it is, is a leader is able to influence those around them. And so there, there's not necessarily like a huge emphasis on just the title then of like per se leader. It's more so just acknowledging that we do have an influence amongst our peers, regardless of whether we're uh, in a a position of leadership or not. Yeah. And, and even in the military, at the end of the day, the, the decisions I made in Afghanistan were mine. Like I, I'm the one that signed off on them, but there were guys, my right hand, my platoon sergeant, I mean, he, this was his fourth deployment and he'd been in for 16 years. It'd be foolish of me not to let him lead certain situations. Right. I mean, he had four times the amount of experience and it would be really silly for me not to be able to step back and be like, all right, cool. You have experience here. While you aren't necessarily the end all be all sign on the dotted line guy, you're still the guy that can lead better in this situation because you have the experience. So I think a really good leader is able to take that and, and kind of take that step back, take that role reversal where sometimes you got to be the first follower attached to that person that's more experienced and knows more and can accomplish things better. And it takes a little bit of humility to do something like that. But at the end of the day, like what's going to help the team perform the best. And if it's somebody else taking the lead on something instead of the quote unquote leader, then you got to let that happen. Hmm. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about your statement of being the first follower. And then also just thinking about just the entire impact that, you know, a team can have and, even even if you're not necessarily like making those lead decisions that can impact the entire team. So yeah, and there's there's a really good story, and it was it's actually a video, uh, a clip on YouTube that when I was going through, I went through the Dell Dell Carnegie Academy here in Atlanta, and then went back and ended up teaching it. And one of the biggest takeaways I had from Dell Carnegie, that is Dell Carnegieism, is the best leaders are sometimes the first followers. And the video that they showed was at this like outdoor concert and you, you, it's like panning. It's like an old cell phone video and you just see it panning and it's like all these people sitting on towels and chairs, whatever, just enjoying the live music. And then all of a sudden this one random dude just gets up and starts like rage dancing, like having a <laughs> blast, just ignoring the world, just like nothing's affecting him. Like he's just having a blast and you hear people kind of like laughing about it. Like, Oh, look at this crazy dude. He's hammered. He's drunk. He's crazy, whatever. And then all of a sudden somebody else comes up and starts dancing. You know what? I've seen that video. 
<laughs> so the second person comes up and starts dancing. And all of a sudden, 15, 30 seconds later, you have hundreds of people in this like mosh pit in the middle of this field where who's the true leader there, right? Is it the first follower that created the leader? Because the guy that started the dance was getting laughed at. That first follower is the one that helped the influence of everybody dancing. But it took that leader having the courage to do it. But then it also takes that first follower to bring the masses, right? So you can kind of look at both of those people, the first and the second person, as being leaders in their own right. And sometimes you just have to play both roles or switch between those two roles. And again, that's influence, right? They influenced (laughs) the masses to come dance and just forget about everything around them. And I think that's just like a fascinating way of human psychology and the way it works within our own head as we process things that, you know, sometimes that first follower is really the best difference maker you can ask for. <laughs> now, what was was that video the, the, the catalyst that made you want to learn more about leadership and start a podcast and then <laughs> and interview all these different types of leaders? Maybe not that video, but that course. I, I took that course back in... 14 or 15 and went back and taught the next session. That course definitely set me on that path of like, what is leadership? I'd never heard Dale Carnegie before and how to win friends and influence others is such a phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, Um, it's my favorite of his, but he also has Dale Carnegie's golden rule, golden rules. And it's like this little booklet that I have, I use as a bookmark in every book I'm reading. And it has just like a checklist of different things that are like his key takeaways. And it's just silly rules of like, you know, sometimes the best leader is first follower. Another rule is smile. Simple. Like the only rule, smile. And the way a smile can change an interaction or change somebody's day, it's, it's small stuff like that that, you know, really kind of changes the dynamic of people. Hmm. Interesting. You know, this is the first time, I, you know, we've been friends for, for a while. I didn't even know that you went to the Dale Carnegie and sort of took that, took that course. So that's pretty fascinating. Now, did they... Did they also influence you to create a podcast? <laughs> and No, that was years later. It was actually the police department. I got sent there when I was still at the police department, just as like a extracurricular training. And the podcast didn't start until 2020, right before COVID. So you're talking five years later where I've I'd wanted to start a podcast for a long time. But I'm like, I think we all have this. And I know you and I have talked about it where you have that limitation of what am I going to talk about? You know? I was told, hey, tactical leadership, go talk about the tactics behind leadership. I'm like, I'm not an expert there. I have so much more I need to learn. And then you look at my background and realistically, the the pure application of leadership that I've been able to have in my background puts me pretty well experienced in that. But I still felt like I didn't have anything to contribute there. So instead of it being, hey, let me go start a leadership podcast about here are my leadership tactics and how I'm amazing, (laughs) it turned into like, how about I just use it as a journey to learn more, meet great leaders. I mean, I've met so many phenomenal. I've had, you know, the Jordan Harbingers, Evan Carmichael's on the show, Steve Sims. I mean, I've I've had some amazing people come on the show that are like across crazy industries that I would have never met without the podcast. And it's just fascinating hearing their different perspectives on leadership because everybody has a different perspective and everybody has a different way of doing things. And it just fascinates me because at the end of the day, it like turns back around to like being nice to people. Like that's like the one big thing is like, just be nice to your team. And it's like that simple attached to don't be a dick and you're good. (laughs) Right. But it's kind of funny how simple leadership really boils down to being. 
And you know, what's a, what's fascinating about that too, is that, you know, I remember when we were first talking, I sort of saw a transition or a shift with your thought of leadership, because I mean, forgive me for uh, forgetting the intro statements, but it was, it was something in regards to like, oh, we, you know, we must be students first, right? Am I, am I recalling or not, not students first? What is it? Dang. I should have wrote it down. No, it's, um. It was in your intro. Oh my gosh. Why can't I remember this? So the, and the intro is getting rewritten right now, right? And yeah. the intro talks about being the first follower sometimes. You know, I think the greatest leaders are the first follower. And now that, that was recorded, shoot, a year and a half ago. Or, oh man, it's probably been longer than that that I recorded that. And it's part of like a rebranding attached to it where that is true. I still believe that very much. But I think there's a shift that has definitely happened where – I think the greatest leaders have an introspection about themselves where they can have, again, it's a self-mastery thing. You know, you can't lead others until you can lead yourself and leading yourself is probably the most difficult thing you can ever try to do because it's dang near impossible, you know? Yeah. I'm definitely struggling with (laughs) trying to lead myself as well. And, and on that personal development side and also just um, embracing like where I am right now and aside from like trying to keep up with with the Jones and like everybody on social media like I see all these other people like posting and you know doing deals and doing this and doing that and you know it it does make me a little shy to even like put myself out there Um, and even like with starting this podcast like you know I I owe a lot to you uh, a huge ton to you just for you know giving me that platform and like empowering me to like share my story and like, and, and be transparent with my whole situation. But, you know, I was wondering like in your story, was there moments where you felt extremely vulnerable and sharing like the, the first time you shared your story, right? Like whether it's on, on your podcast or someone else's podcast, what was that experience like? Terrifying. Like it, it's, and, and as you know, I make everybody do their first episode as their origin story, right? Like, I feel like you got to get that out there because you got to be able to share it. And if I went back and listened to episode one of mine, man, it is probably a heinous episode <laughs> and uh, me rambling for 30 minutes, but it's a terrifying thing, man. And, and, you know, as I've grown more and I've moved along this journey. I think there's a level of vulnerability that I'm still trying to attain where I can talk about different things from Afghanistan. I can talk about, again, that surface level vulnerability stuff. But um, I I think the biggest path now is more of the fallout, right? I think true vulnerability, and and I've mentioned that surface level and, and the tip of the iceberg. I can talk about Afghanistan. I can talk about the mission I planned. I can sit here and tear up and water down about the guys we lost over there. And is there a level of vulnerability there? Sure. But I think the true vulnerability and the true self-mastery comes when you can share the fallout of what that's caused, you know, the PTSD, if you want to call it, or avoidance, whatever piece of Afghanistan I brought home. And everybody has that, right? Everybody has that piece of something that they hold on to from their past you know, what is that? And what is that caused in your life? Like the fallout, like my personal relationships, a lot of them went in the toilet after Afghanistan, because I couldn't handle being a friend, nonetheless, being a good leader, you know, and I think the fallout beyond what those 
catalyst events are is really the true vulnerability of what people should be sharing because that's what's going to make it most relatable. That's like the true story behind this is what I'm struggling with. And I think a lot of people are struggling with the same thing and we just don't realize it because we don't ever allow ourselves to realize it. Now, some, the, the first thing that comes on to my head and is, is social media, right? Like when we're talking about sharing it and social media has been such a huge platform for people that share their wins. And in a way, it, it almost creates this weird perspective where now I'm just comparing myself to everybody else's wins, which, you know, creates this whole cycle of, man, I am not doing anything right now. Or like, I feel like I am super behind in my journey, right? In your opinion, like as you start to like share more of your stuff and in some of your fallouts, like, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to frame this question. Just, just cause like in my mind, and I'm, I'm even like catching myself right now as, as we're talking, it's just like, Ooh, I don't really want to share like any of my failures because then my thinking is that other people are going to see my failures. And I don't know if people want to like follow me because of my failures and they're going to think I'm weak for that. And what's funny is like how many people have had those same failures, you know, your greatest mentor that you could ask for in, in real estate or in life and business, whatever is already failed. They've already been there and all fail means is first attempt at learning. So you're putting yourself mm. out there again, that's another level of vulnerability, but the military loves acronyms, right? So fail first attempt in learning. And if you don't get out there and you don't fail, quote unquote, if you don't go out there and learn, you're never going to grow. So realistically, when you look at these perceived failures that everybody else around you has had to whatever extent, again, it's a relatable point, you know, it makes you more more relatable to be able to sit back and say, man, I really failed at blank. And I don't know about y'all, but I struggled with this. This is the fallout it created. I guarantee you, you will have people reach out and be like, yeah, I felt and I struggled with that same thing. This is what got me through that. And having a platform like this is even more powerful because that's where my podcast is really shifted to is like, I'm struggling with this. I'm bringing on thought leaders. I'm bringing on personal development coaches. I'm bringing on business coaches, life coaches. And it's like, man, I'm struggling with this. And I'm using it more or less as therapy sessions, right? Like, hey, <laughs> this is what I'm struggling with. Do you know anybody else that's gone through this? Or do you have any recommendations for people that are going through this? Because I know personally, my soldiers are struggling with the same thing. I know there are soldiers across the country struggling with the same transition and and trying to find their own identity. And, you know, I'm getting uh, medically discharged because of an injury. And it's like, that's difficult. Like, I'm getting the uniform pulled from me. Well, that's like my identity. That's my safety blanket, my umbrella. And I've never felt that. And now I'm struggling with it, trying to figure out who the hell is Zach Knight attached to no uniform and just me. And that's a terrifying thing. But I guarantee you, people going from the corporate world into entrepreneurship or engineering into multifamily, every one of us struggles with that identity piece. So if I can share, hey, this is my struggle. While it might not be in the military, you've gone through the same thing, trying to figure out who the hell you are. And I think that is where the vulnerability is. It's like, yeah, I'm, I might be failing at a couple things, but I'm learning. It is my first attempt in learning. As long as you don't keep making the same mistake and you keep learning, you keep growing, there's only up to go from there. You know, something that has come into to my journey when, you know, I'm, you know, <sighs> like diving more and more into this is like when I, when I am struggling with, with certain concepts, I guess like me reaching out 
and like asking for help is also extremely vulnerable as well. I feel like we've been using this word vulnerable <laughs> the entire episode. Basis, uh, man. This is the basis. <laughs> no, but uh, like, because because like in my mind, like I don't really want to be a bugaboo. You know, I don't I don't want to <laughs> be a burden. A the burden. technical term. I don't want to be a bugaboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a technical term right there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I use that from my girlfriend. She's she's she, she's a nurse, and she like sometimes is afraid to ask questions, like because she like she just started over at her hospital, yeah. and you know she, she beats herself up just because like she feels like she knows she she should know some of this stuff. Uh, some, you know, some of these practices that you would only know on the field, yeah. but then like, it, it takes her a little bit to like ask those questions because she doesn't want to be a bugaboo. So that was a, that was a term I coined but, I mean, her. How else are you going to learn unless you ask the question? Either you go read a book, you go find somebody else that's already been there, done that. But in order to figure out if they've been there and done that, you have to ask them. Like, I, I don't think we all have an ego attached to wanting to know everything because for some reason people see knowledge and perceive it as competence. You know, we kind of associate the two where if you know everything, then you're competent. If you know everything, well, you're already an incompetent person to me because you told me you know everything. And if you feel like you know everything, then you're not somebody that I want to learn from because that means you're, you've stopped learning, right? Because if you feel like you know everything in a space, you're not on a journey to learn anything else. You think you know it all, which means you're going to tell me something that might not be accurate or might not work for me, but you're going to state it as law. Like, yeah, this is how it's done. And this is the only way to do it because you think you've got nothing more to learn about it. And to me, like what person doesn't love a good question? There's another great book. Um, good leaders ask great questions. Uh, John Maxwell book, I believe, but it, it's, it's factual. Ask great questions. You know, that's how you show a great piece of leadership because you're willing to learn because you always need to keep learning. Now, you know, with that being said and, and willing, being willing to learn, I'm curious, what's, what's the next step for, for Zach Knight? You've been running this podcast for a while. You've, you've had this dance competition across 140 different countries. You know, your podcast is still going on. Like what's, what's next for you? Honestly, <laughs> you know, it, there's so many things in the, in the air um, with me personally right now, but. Oh, and your mastermind. Honestly, you know, I've got actually two masterminds launching and we've talked about the first one here in Atlanta. It's local to Buckhead. If anybody knows that area of Atlanta, um, it's launching here in about a week. I've already got several people enrolled and it has been a phenomenal launch. I spoke in Nashville a week or two ago. And from that, I have people asking me to start another mastermind, essentially an accountability group just for that corporation. So I've got that. I've got a 30-day self-mastery challenge I'm building out right now where it's going to go through a daily ritual attached to learning how to master yourself better. You're not going to be an expert. You're not going to be a master at it. But there's a 30-day self-mastery challenge that I'm building out right now. It's so like those things are on the precipice of going live. But to me, the, the 30-day self-mastery challenge like is my next step. Not only am I building it out, I'm actually doing it to try to master myself better. And I think that's really still the biggest journey I'm on right now is figuring out how to master myself and figure out like, if I truly love myself, am I going to do blank? You know, and I, I've applied that to, I've, I've had a diet that's been up and down for years, alcohol that's been up and down for years, you know, consumption attached to booze is a big thing that veterans love. We love drinking beer, but it's one of those, you know, if, if I truly love myself, am I going to get hammered every night? No, 
because I wake up feeling like crap the next day. If I truly love my, myself, am I going to wake up at 4 a.m. and not hit snooze? Absolutely, which is exactly what I do every morning. So I think that's a big piece of like that next step for me is like, what all will it take for a 30 day challenge? Because in 30 days, you can totally shift your mindset attached to what you feel you're deserving of, what you feel like you're limiting yourself on and what you no longer want to limit yourself on because you'll just ask. If I truly love myself, am I going to stop myself from posting on social media? Am I going to stop myself from finding out the answer by asking a question? It kind of shifts the mentality attached to, it's not about the fear attached to things. It's not about being afraid. And fear is another great acronym, false evidence appearing real. So your mind making up stuff, playing games, right? Your mind's always going to tell you you're not capable you, you don't deserve this. It self-sabotages you left and right. And honestly, it's just yourself. It is literally false evidence. It's all of a sudden appearing real in your mind. It convinces you not to go do something. And if you can tell yourself, no, I love myself enough to actually do this, totally shifts the perspective of what you're doing. And that's what that 30-day challenge is all about. Oh, I think I need to, I think I need to do that because... <laughs> because I, I'm on, I'm on this journey right now. And it's in it, it, the, the, the way you put it in, you know, do you love yourself enough to like post stuff online and, and share that journey is who it, I mean, it, I'm breathing hard just cause like, it's, it's just scary. It's a gut check. Yeah. It's a gut check. And, and a lot of it, man, a big piece of that 30 day challenge is um, it's based off a book. And, and I know we've talked about it, but, I read a book. It's called love yourself. Like your life depends on it. And realistically, like your life does depend on you loving yourself. And I'm shaping this challenge out of that because that's what came out of Nashville. When I spoke there, I challenged somebody because somebody challenged me to a 30 day. He's like, you know, and he's one of my best friends. And he's like, you know what? You don't love yourself right now, bro. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and I mean, I, I straight called him like, I love me some me, right? And had that arrogance attached that I really do, you know, love certain aspects of myself. Absolutely. But as he and I went down this 30 day challenge between ourselves that is now like I'm, I'm trying to catapult it to everybody in my in my circle, it turned turned out like I'm holding myself back in so many ways attached to things that I have guilt from like Afghanistan have guilt about certain things there and leadership guilt and survivor's guilt and all these other things that I feel like I'm just not worthy of or deserving of now. And it turns back into something as simple as like looking yourself in the mirror and telling you you love yourself is one of the most difficult things you will do. And part of this 30 day challenge is having a daily ritual set in place where you're looking at yourself for 10 breaths. You inhale, I love myself. You exhale and you breathe out whatever that negativity is because you're going to have something chirp in your ear. And as you breathe out that negativity, you inhale again, tell you, you love yourself, you know, looking yourself square in the eye, not, not at your nose, not at the speck on the mirror. You're looking yourself square in the eye. And again, that takes a level of self mastery to be able to do that. Cause the first few times you squirm and you're like, Oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't like it. And all of a sudden, you know, a few days, a couple weeks into it and you start smiling about it. Like, Oh man, I start feeling it. Cause you're not going to feel it at first. And you're going to sit here and you're literally going to think, this is dumb. You know, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to do anything. And that's what kind of fascinated me about it. I, I, I've taken all the knowledge I possibly can from the external. I have a, an MBA. I have a security management 
I have a security management concentration attached to that MBA. I did most of that in Afghanistan. I have credential on credential in the security world. I have all these businesses. I have all these things where I'm consistently and constantly getting external knowledge, thinking that that's the self-improvement point. I go to the gym every morning. So most days I go twice a day to the gym, physically trying to get my body right. And all these things I've convinced myself for years that I'm making myself better and I'm improving myself when in reality, I've never looked inside myself to gain knowledge about myself to realize what is it that's actually going to feed my soul? What is it that's actually going to feed and refresh me to get my head right, to get my body right? And that's what that challenge started in my mind is like, what if this is the one thing to actually internally reflect on things, to start dealing with those skeletons and closets, start dealing with those demons. And all of a sudden, man, you start looking at things that terrify you but then realize it's just false evidence appearing real. Nobody's going to care about that side of things unless you let it care and letting you let them care about it. And that's the only thing holding you back is that person looking back in the mirror that's saying these negative things. And all you got to do is fight back, tell them you love themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a different perspective, you know, it, cause like, like for me, uh, when you, they're, there's another guy in the military realm that is pretty big and he has this whole accountability mirror exercise where you literally take a mirror and then you post like post-its on it. And, and it's essentially just like, is this Jocko or David? No, this is David. This is David Goggins. Where I've heard uh, Jocko talk about the same stuff before as well. Oh, I, I haven't heard Jocko talk about that, but with, at least with like David Goggins, it's just like, you know, having a very like hyper realistic, but almost like kind of bad way of I wouldn't and that's, that's, where he's yeah, like talking. That's one thing I don't like about David. Talking, like, yeah, <laughs> I love David Goggins. Don't get me wrong. That dude yeah. takes his mind somewhere that I don't I don't understand. I don't comprehend the way he does things because he's a beast. Oh. But he does it in a very, in my opinion, self abusive way, where he beats himself up. And he looks in the mirror and he says, man, you're a fat piece of shit. Go run five miles. Well, what does that do to your mentality? If you're constantly telling yourself, because you're going to believe everything you say to yourself, right? Think about the last time you got in a hole and you got super negative about things. What was going through your mind? Oh, I don't deserve this. Well, you're right. Oh, I can't do this. Well, you're right. Well, if you start shifting that dynamic and you start shifting that conversation away from I can't and I don't to I love myself. And every time something negative comes in, you shift it. I love myself enough to show that I'm worthy of this or I deserve this. And you start shifting what your voice is saying to yourself. It's a different ball game because now you're not in the negative all the time like David is. He uses that as fuel. Most people aren't going to be able to use that as fuel without going into a really dark place, which he does, right? So like even he can't do it. But it's one of those, like, if you can put yourself in a light place, in a place of love attached to, like, your accomplishments, in my opinion, that's going to totally shift the dynamic of your personal relationship, your business relationship, everything you're working on, because now you're doing it out of joy and you're doing it out of happiness instead of hate and self-loathing. Nobody wants to hate themselves and be self-loathing all the time, yet that's exactly where we are all the time. Or it was this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I mean... I was going to throw some other stuff, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a cycle. It's in, it's, it's a cycle that just, it it can break you down and constantly just thinking about all the different scenarios that can break you down even more so. But I mean, what I love and 
just like connecting with you and, and being friends with you and always just having, having these conversations is that it always just gives me a new perspective and helps me realize like, hold on, just like take a step back and like, and, you know, tell yourself that you love yourself, give, give yourself some forgiveness and then like continue to push forward and, and continue to, to learn. So. And, and a lot of that is grace, right? You have to give yourself grace. Yeah. And that that's a, a big, powerful word where, you know, it kind of incorporates love and incorporates forgiveness. It kind of incorporates so many different things, but at the end of the day, it's like, give yourself some grace. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, fail quote unquote. And if you give yourself enough grace to recognize, like, it's okay. I'm human. Like I'm not perfect. I do some silly stuff sometimes that I'm not proud of. Right. But the next day I wake up, you don't let it eat you up. And a lot of it is like that morning routine, right? I'm huge on morning routines where you set the stage for your day with self-love, then the rest of the day, you just reinforce what you've just set in stone for that morning. And for me, it's three things I'm grateful for in the mirror every morning. So I have that mirror, same thing. It kind of came from David and him talking about that, but instead of it being a, you know, looking at myself in a negative way in the mirror, it's like, I look at myself and like, what am I grateful for today? Today it's man, I made it back to Atlanta after some travels. I'm not sick. I didn't catch COVID among some travels and I have a roof over my head. There's going to be simple things that you can be grateful for, but setting the stage with gratefulness and then shifting that into, all right, I love myself. It, it sets the tone for your day where your mind's right. You get your body right. You do a little bit of journaling, self-reflection. I love that. that is one of the most powerful things you can do is journal every single day and have that self-reflection because it forces it. What's going on in your head? What are you thinking? What are you focusing on? And it kind of just sets the stage every morning for me with my cup of coffee to just kind of get the day going the right way. And it, when, when I'm journaling in the morning and I, cause I, I know a lot of people talk about gratitude and, and that's what you should start out with in your day. At least like when I, like sometimes I wake up in the morning and just, and, and I hate myself. And then I try and, and I write, like, I love myself, even though I just don't necessarily feel that way. Any, I guess, like tips on, on that, like, is, should I still be like writing, like, I love myself or write things that I'm grateful for, even though I don't necessarily feel that. But you can always feel something you're grateful for. Mm. I'm breathing today. Uh, Woke up. You know, and it takes, again, it takes some self-reflection to look at, but every single day there's something you can or should be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And some days it's difficult. It's really difficult to look at, you know, past the negativity, but beyond just writing it, speaking, the spoken word is so much more powerful than the written word and for good and bad, right? It's prolific. If you say something, I love you is the most prolific three words in the, in the English language. It can build empires and it can destroy legacies. And Man, I love you too, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole reason I just want to hear you say it. There it is. There it is. There it is. I love you, Taylor. And you know, you just got to tell yourself the same. Um, but I mean, you know, it's one of those speaking it, speaking it to mm. yourself, saying it out loud not just writing it down. If you're grateful for the fact that you have beautiful hair and I'm bald, be grateful for the fact that you have beautiful hair, man. Like there are small things you can always appreciate around you. You just have to take the time to literally like the old phrase, stop and smell the roses. Look at the good stuff that's happening to you because there are great things around you happening. 
That's beautiful. And, you know, with, with that being said and uh, moving forward and, and flipping the question on you, because you always ask this question on your podcast and now I can Don't finally... steal my question. Hang on. <laughs> I've been stealing this question. Uh, what is the legacy that you want to leave on the world? Mm, it's funny. I ask it all the time and then never really think about it myself. But I want to be remembered as the guy that was always willing to help somebody that couldn't help themselves. Now that they won't, and I've learned there's a, a fine distinction. My why for the longest time was helping those that can't or won't help themselves. And I, I've I found that I'm the type where if you won't, you're not ready to help yourself yet. I will dive into that hole and dig that hole deeper with you just so you have somebody next to you. And I, I take that burden on myself and that's not a healthy thing for me to do. And it's not healthy for the other person to do because they just stay in that hole. But I want to be remembered as the guy that was always willing to help those that can't help themselves because they don't have the capability. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have something. They have something holding them back that they just can't yet, but they want to, and they want to strive for more and they want to do better and be better. And that's the legacy I want to leave is not, not necessarily the name, but I want people to remember like all these things that I've created, especially the domestic violence, the, the nonprofit we have, where we're teaching women self-defense, like teaching people that can't protect themselves to protect themselves is a game changer. And that's what the legacy I want to leave is, is helping those that can't help themselves yet. Beautiful. I love it. And, and you've helped me so much, you know, on, on my journey. And I just have all this gratitude that, you know, thank you. Shout out to, to Nico for Nico Zalgado for introducing us. But I love the vision and, and I can't wait to see what's what's next on, next on your journey. Now, if people want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Best way is social media. I mean, you can find me at Zach A. Knight across social media or my coaching brand, podcast brand, everything uh, at be a tactical leader. And I moderate all that stuff. So if you reach out there, you'll definitely be able to find me. Cool. Sounds good. And that'll all be in the show notes. Zach, thank you so much for uh, enlightening us with your wisdom and knowledge today. And, you know, I'm excited for the action items episode. We're going to get, we're going to get down to it on Friday. And get down and dirty with it, Taylor. I appreciate yeah. you having me, my friend. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.